If we're going to have the hard conversations on this show, we have to talk about finding the right people to have those hard conversations with. How do you hire a therapist when life is getting a little challenging, when you need to have some insight, or you're struggling with managing your emotions? Welcome to an important conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I'm also a clinically trained therapist. You can learn more about me over at heathergrayconsulting.com. And today I want to have a really honest conversation with you guys about the role of mindset versus therapy, coaches, versus therapists, and how do you find the right person for you? We've been talking way more transparently and authentically on the show about the real struggles many business owners have, getting in their own way, struggling with imposter syndrome, struggling with self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and upper limits, but we're also getting real about mindset. And we're talking that, and we're addressing with each other that mindset isn't just about thinking that you're imposter. Sometimes mindset is about feeling unmotivated to get out of bed in the morning, wondering what the point is, wondering why anybody should listen to you, or buzzing in an anxious way about everything you have to do today, worried that you're choosing the wrong priorities, worried that you're going to miss a step, worried that something isn't perfect, that sadness and anxiety are often confused with mindset problems. I think sometimes anytime business owners have emotional experiences that they're a little bit uncomfortable with talking about, acknowledging, or owning for themselves, it's very easily easy to put it in the mindset bucket to say, oh, I just have a mindset problem or, oh, I'm just in a mindset wobble rather than looking and saying to themselves like, wow, I don't just feel this way when I'm thinking and acting around my business. I'm not just buzzing about what I have to do for work. I'm buzzing when I'm going grocery shopping. I'm buzzing when I have a social event. I'm buzzing at the gym. I'm buzzing before I even wake up in the morning, when I go to bed, what I'm going to have for dinner, that those experiences of emotional disruption, agitation, and discomfort aren't just business related. Sometimes they really are just business related and we can put them all in the business mindset category and feel really good about it. But sometimes it's the way people feel as they move through the world and they're regular every day. They're sad, they're depressed, they're anxious, they're triggered by past trauma. We learned recently of a a listener who wrote in sharing about her grief. We're talking about real things, human experiences, and the messiness that can come. And in the online industry where anybody can get a coach for that, it's really easy to say, just go and hire somebody. But when you're moving through the world with an emotional disruption of some kind or a mental distraction, it can be really hard to know whether or not online coaching is for you, whether or not online therapy is for you, and how do you find the right person? 
What I really encourage people to think about when they're having this conversation for themselves is identifying that first part that I outlined for you at the beginning of this conversation. Are you only hurting and distracted and doubting yourself when you're focused on your business? Or is this a struggle you're having in your regular everyday, in your interpersonal activities, and your interpersonal relationships? Do a gut check with yourself and get honest because if you're managing a mood disruption, you're not just dealing with that during waking hours and working hours rather, you're dealing with this in your regular every day. And when it becomes pervasive, it is time to get help. Not to say that people can't like sort of get themselves on the right track, but you know, one of the things that I think happens to a lot of people, particularly business owners, is they try to solve the problems themselves and the self-help section of a personal development bookstore or by listening to a show like this and maybe for a little while when they get their feelings and thoughts and experiences validated. They feel better for a little bit, but then it becomes like that game of whack-a-mole at some of the fairs and carnivals where something pops up and you knock that down only to have another thing pop up and be knocked down. The decision around coaching versus therapy is probably the first question people should ask themselves because there's um, there's sort of validity to both options. It is always going to be my bias, even though now I offer consulting and coaching, that if you are struggling with pervasive mood disorders in your regular everyday, I am going to ask that you see somebody who has a clinical degree. They may be like me and call themselves a coach now, um, or they may actually be still billing themselves as a therapist. But I wouldn't want any of you having anyone mess with your heads who doesn't have a clinical degree. In all honesty, my professional bias is anyone who is messing with your head should have a clinical degree, but it's easy for me to say that and get on that pedestal because I have one. I do know that there's a lot of really, you know, good and talented mindset professionals who don't have the clinical degree, but they've gotten different kinds of training and gotten different kinds of experiences. But in all transparency, it is always going to be my bias that you ask that question. And I have to be honest with you in all of the years that I've been online, I think I'm approaching my third year or maybe I'm already in my third year. Um, I never get asked. I'm always volunteering it, you know, in sales calls with people. I never get asked. So as a consumer, the first thing you want to do when you're hiring someone via, you know, if it's online or um, in person is you want to make gosh darn sure that they have a degree. The next thing that I would encourage you to think about is when you are struggling interpersonally, when you are struggling with mood management, when you are struggling with the way you move through the world in your regular every day, that is vulnerable. And it can feel isolating, it can feel intimidating, and it's easy to get overwhelmed. Sometimes in those situations, for some people, depending on their personality types, that kind of work is best done in person versus online. There are a lot of people that I work with online, that I help, that I see real good, honest to goodness transformations. But there's also a lot of people where I say, you know what? 
this is really important. You need to actually be in the room with somebody. You need to have that human experience of being seen and heard. And you can't get all of that through a video screen. You can get some of it through a video screen, but you certainly can't get all of it. For you, you are going to have to know the way you move through the world. You know, I've all, I got my business coaching when I was coaching, um, when I wanted to close my brick and mortar and build my online business, I got my business coaching through a computer screen. My, I was in Boston and my coach was in St. Louis and that worked out perfectly fine. But anytime I've talked about my human experience and the things I've been going through and needed to process hard times in my life and went to therapy, I was in the room with somebody and I don't think I'd ever change that. Anytime I need to return to therapy, I'm going to, I'm going to sit in the room with someone. However, However, I've, you know, done therapy with people in the online space since I've entered the space and their personality type and the way they move through the world and the way their lives are structured or they just feel, you know, more connected to me. Um, we've done it through a computer screen. So you're going to need to know what works for you. And the most important thing is like what will feel like it gives you relief, not what feels the easiest what feels the safest, what takes you, you know, um, you know, less outside your comfort zone. And the next piece is, is you really need to look at your budget. Um, if you're, if you're thinking about getting help and you're not looking for like some sort of short-term intervention, the last thing you want is to start work with someone and not be able to afford to finish it. So you're going to want to look at your budget. And if your mental health isn't something that you can sort of make a substantial investment in, your mindset isn't something where your value is that you're going to be willing to invest, then one of the things you're going to have to think about is using insurance. And there are some improvements in the insurance space where you can get a provider who accepts insurance and works online, but those are fewer and further between. If you're looking to use insurance, you're going to want to look locally and you're going to want to like get in the room with someone in order to have your condition reimbursed by insurance. What's important to remember in the insurance discussion, because a lot of people after having sales calls with me do end up telling me at the end of the call that they're going to, you know, they would rather just use insurance and that's perfectly fine. It's an, you know, it's a perfectly respectable choice. It's a choice that I made as a provider for 10 years before I joined the online space. But one of the things people don't realize is that when you use insurance, you are assigned a mental health diagnosis that becomes a part of your medical record because you're getting treatment for a medical condition. And there's no shame in that. And there's it's not a reason not to go to therapy. And it's not a reason not to... Um, use your insurance. But a lot of people don't realize that, that your therapist is going to assign you a mental health diagnosis. And then that pops up when you do life insurance. It pops up in all kinds of different situations around um, getting health and, you know, health insurance going forward, pre, um, you know, what's the word? I'm blanking on it. Um, Pre-existing conditions um, and all of that. So you want to be an informed consumer. And that's something that's important to know about too. And then the next thing that, you know, 
it's really important is how do you find a local therapist? Particularly, you know, for example, if you're rural, right? And you're in the suburbs, how do you find somebody? The easiest reference, and I, I wish I had thought to check this um, before I got online, is Psychology Today I know exists in Canada and the United States. I don't know if it exists in other countries as well, but it's the leading therapist um, listing. There's also goodtherapy.org and I believe Network Therapy is another online therapy directory. But what you want to do, and I, you know, for the 10 years that I owned a business, I had a listing on Psychology Today. You would want to go to Psychology Today. You would want to enter your zip code if you're going to be using insurance, and you will get a listing of all kinds of therapists who do all kinds of things. The first thing that happens when you, um, you know, when you're exposed to the listing is you are going to see everyone's personal profile, and there are going to be those written descriptions of how these providers define themselves, who they are especially adept at working with, and their hours of availability, etc., etc. The thing that I always encourage people to do who use any therapy listing is do not choose a therapist who doesn't also have a website. And the reason for this is that the those listings are very specific in what they in like sort of the format that they allow you to talk. So I think the way I remember it is like the in psychology today, for example, my first paragraph could be fifty words, my second paragraph could be a hundred words, and my third paragraph could be fifty words. It can be really limiting when you're like sort of trying to introduce yourself to people who have never met you to like list everything you're good as well as get your personality across as well as get your therapy perspective across like that's a big ask so one of the ways that you can ensure that you're picking somebody who is going to be more aligned with you and that you are going to you know sort of be successful with right off the bat is to review their website because as business owners you're going to know that like people spend a while on their website to really think about their messaging who they're trying to attract who they're talking to. So if you're looking at someone's website and you like what they have to say and you like their perspective on things and you read some of their blogs and you read like how they present problems to the world, you will know whether or not that's consistent with you. Then you can sign, you know, you can reach out and you can have that initial conversation about what you're looking for, what you're struggling with, and you can see how the therapist will respond. Now, I was somebody who, as a therapist in private practice, I did like getting on the phone with people before they booked their first session with me to make sure that it felt like a good fit on both sides to answer any questions. In all transparency, some therapists don't have that preference they just want you in the room because they want to be paid for their time because the only thing they often get paid for is that hour. They don't get paid to do paperwork and they don't get paid for case management and they don't get paid for sales calls. So typically what they'll do is they'll tell you to come on in. Um, in the event that like you make that decision because A, there's not enough options or you get a good vibe off the person right away, then you go and you have that first um, appointment and you go in with your questions and your goals of what you want to work on and the th things that that you're struggling with and, you know, ask any questions or set any needs for the therapist there in that conversation. But a good way to set it up for success is if somebody's willing to spend 15 to 20 minutes with you on the phone before that first appointment, addressing any concerns, speaking to how they might help you with your stuff, you'll get a good sense of it. And then if you have had good therapy before, 
I am going to get like get on a sort of on a limb and just say like you were going to know it. <laughs> like you will know in that first session whether or not your new person is somebody who you want to see again. Um if you've never done therapy before, it is completely weird to go into a room, start telling a random stranger your most personal details 15 minutes within meeting them, to leave the room and be like, I don't really know how that went or I don't know if I got anything out of it, particularly that first appointment when you're just giving your medical history and you're giving your family history and what brings you here, you don't actually get the therapist perspective on like what you can be doing or areas of focus. So if you have had good therapy before, um, even though like I kind of know that I wouldn't do this myself, I think this is absolutely a do as I say, not as I do. But if you've had good therapy before, um, you know, after one or two sessions, you're going to know right away whether or not this person is for you. Um, If you've never done therapy before, that first session is so weird and so just you know, not ideal because it's it's rarely as much of a conversation as the therapist would like it to be because they really do need all that information, particularly if they're insurance providers and they're billing insurance. There's certain things the insurance companies require that providers ask and answer. The thing that I say is if you've never done it before, what I really recommend is give, give somebody three sessions. Give somebody like three hours of your time to see whether or not it's a good fit and be honest with the therapist about it to say, you know what, like when I came to therapy, I don't really know what to expect, but I was hoping I was going to get more direction or I was hoping that I would feel better by now or I was hoping that I was going to leave the office with things to do because so many times um, clients don't want to have that hard, awkward conversation with the therapist because there's that power, right? Like the therapist in that um, room has the expertise and is the professional. So it can be hard to say to the therapist, I'm not really feeling this. Um, Now, as I ran my business, I have to be honest, the number of times that as the therapist, I said to the client and said, hey, like these kind of conversations go easier (laughs) with other clients. It feels like this is feeling a little bit stilted. It feels like we're not really connecting. Are you good? Should we talk about this? Like those conversations are so refreshing. I will tell you that like I'm, I was a little bit more rogue as a therapist. I don't know how many therapists today would feel comfortable having that conversation, but you as the client who's paying for the time and fa- paying for the transformation should absolutely feel comfortable standing up and saying, hey, this whole thing isn't going the way I thought. If after three sessions or after a conversation, you don't feel like your needs are getting met, you're kind of scratching your head, then I think it's fair to kind of try somebody new to, you know, to go and follow plan B. But at the very least, give yourself a couple of times for it to gel, to really get a sense of the person's perspective, to be willing to put yourself out there to say, hey, I'm investing in this, but this doesn't quite seem, you know, what I'm what I'm getting out of it isn't what I really thought I'd sign up for. What can I reasonably expect? And be willing to have that conversation with your therapist. Now, the other piece to this um, is something that we haven't talked a lot about on the show, but sometimes when you go to therapy or even, you know, this has happened to me recently when I've had coaching clients, I think that when people hire a coach who's also a trained therapist, they're hopefully paying, you know, recognizing that that part of what they're paying for is that therapy experience. But sometimes people aren't going to experience relief until they consider the option of medication for themselves. 
So if you're struggling with chronic anxiety, if you're struggling with chronic depression and you're really doing the work, so you've done, like you've attended therapy for a while, you follow through on suggestions, you've done the exercises, you've been consistent, you're following directions and you're not experiencing relief, the same thing with anxiety or the same thing trying to come to terms with trauma or difficult stressors in your life. If you're doing the work and you're following the direction and, and of the person you, you've hired and you're still not experiencing relief, then it's always worthwhile to explore the idea whether or not a, a medication might help relieve the symptoms faster. Sometimes people struggle with their symptoms so intensely that they, um, they can't even do the work. They can't do the exercises. They can't take the time to journal. They can't take the time to have those hard conversations conversations or to read a book or take time for themselves or sleep better because their symptoms are so distracting to that. And at which point I, you know, I usually make a, a recommendation for a, a medication referral. And again, like um, you have to be an MD um, in order to, to prescribe medications. Um, some you, you can also be like a, a, a nurse practitioner, but you need somebody who has specific training around medication. So what that means is that most therapists are not prescribers. So your therapist might say you need to go to a psychiatrist for a medival or might send you to your primary care for a medival. It is always my bias that if you can get in with somebody who specializes in mental health medication, that is pref you know that's my preference you get a better diagnostic, you get a better assessment, but those can, sometimes the wait list on those can be hard. I think a lot of times, given that more and more people are increasing their comfort level with addressing mental health, you know, symptoms with their primary care professionals, I think more and more family practitioners are more adept at prescribing meds. But if you feel like your case is in any way tricky or, you know, um, not typical, then I would really um, encourage a, you know, a trained diagnostic on that. But sometimes you can just get that done with your doctor. And the way that I sort of help people make that decision for themselves because it's a loaded topic. But you know, one of we take so many medications. Most uh, there's people who are anti-medication, but that's not what I'm addressing right now. But we take medications for so many things like, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, there's people who take medications for asthma. They take medications for their migraines. They take medications for their cholesterol, for this, that, and the other thing. And the doctor says, hey, I think you need this. And the patient says, yes, thank you. And then suddenly we treat it differently than we, you know, when it's a psychiatric med. So I think that one of the things that we have to do as a culture and a community is normalize and destigmatize um, psychiatric meds. So part of it is, is if you're somebody who, when you have an idea, identified health problem, you don't have an issue taking a medication, then I am going to encourage you to think about your anxiety, your depression, your trauma, your mood disruption, whatever it is you're feeling and experiencing as a medical health problem that might benefit from pharmaceutical intervention. Um, that's a, a good way of looking at it. If you were already a little medication adverse, if that's not your preferred course of treatment, then, you know, obviously you can talk to your doctor about other options. But that is, you know, something to consider. The one thing that I would 
would sort of say, again, and this is my bias, you could talk to a bunch of coaches and a bunch of therapists and get a bunch of different perspectives. Right now you're listening to my show, so you're choosing to benefit from my experience, is that I'm not a huge fan of people who just pop pills without having done the work. So for example, I am somebody who takes a nightly sleeping pill. I started taking my sleeping pill when my husband first got hurt. I developed, um, uh, I think it has a diagnostic clinical name um, for it, but like I was able to fall asleep um, immediately. Like I could fall asleep right away when I went to bed, but it was as if um, my tank would fill. I would get like like the bare minimum to fill the tank of energy and I'd be waking up at two o'clock and I would be kind of buzzy and um, uh, unable to fall asleep. So my day would technically start at 2.30, which was sometimes like only four hours after I had gone to bed. Um, and then for years, the sleeping pill, like once things sort of stabilized for my husband, um, the sleeping pill would only come out um, in those like stressful times. And I am somebody who has like airtight sleep hygiene. I go to bed at the same time every night. I turn off the screens at a certain time every night. I make sure my bedroom is XYZ. Like I really prioritize good sleep. But as I've gotten older, as I've entered, you know, sort of that cycle where it goes into TMI, but hormonal changes and all of that, us women have lovely experiences and adventures in the overnight with that. Um, I've gone to taking my sleeping pill every night because regular doing the work of good sleep hygiene, going to bed at the same time, reducing alcohol before bed, all of that. I'm still up in the middle of the night starting my day at three o'clock in the morning. Otherwise, that's that's kind of how I look at it for people. And I recognize in all honesty and transparency for some people hearing me take a sleeping pill is going to feel way different than taking a psychiatric med. But that, that concept of I am doing everything I can to sleep well, and I'm still not. So I'm now going to take this thing that I used to take as needed every single night as if I'm taking a vitamin. That's how I made that decision because I was doing everything else. I was making sure I had a comfortable bed. I was making sure my room temperature was good. I was making sure that I, you know, had cut off water X number of hours before bed and doing all of the things for regular good sleep hygiene, still getting, um, sort of these, um, you know, spouts of waking hours in the middle of the night. So that became my course of action. That's the way I encourage people to think about psychiatric medication. Um, if you're just trying to pop the pill, you're not necessarily ever going to solve the problem. You want to do the work with the pill. And people who struggle with anxiety or people who struggle with depression, it is really tempting to just pop that damn pill and think it's all going to go away. But wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go, however you show up, like this thing is just going to haunt you. So at some point in time, you have to make gosh darn sure you've done the work, even if after doing the work, you still need the pill. Because sometimes our bodies just are dysregulated and our hormones affect things and our body chemistry affects things or genetics affect things. And so you may need, you know, medication for longer than the symptoms 
would initially indicate, and that's totally okay. But if you try to skip the work and pop the pill, this problem will follow you. Um, and it will, <laughs> it will chase you down and beat you down and it'll get bigger and it will show up in all kinds of ways until you pay attention to it. Now, here's the thing. The most important thing to all of this is that you're having the conversation with yourself. That you're saying, what's going on with me? What am I struggling with? What, where does it hurt? What have I tried? What works? What doesn't work? And what do I think I need? And, you know, that's, nobody asks themselves that so rarely when I do these intakes with people and have these conversations and I say, well, what is it that you think you need right now? They immediately want to hand over the entire thing over to the paid professional. So, but instead where I say, well, what isn't working? Um, where does it hurt? Where are you struggling? Sometimes then you can pull that, you know, pull that stuff out. And then connected to that is something that somebody asked me the other day is like, I go to the appointment with my therapist and I don't even know what to say half the time. Like, what am I supposed to bring to the therapist? And I like kind of chuckled to myself and I was like, oh dear God, I only wish I had a couple of those clients over the years when I think about things that let... <laughs> that led to my burnout. I had so many, like, I can't even tell you the number of clients I had where they would come in and they would talk for 60 minutes. Um, and I wouldn't have even spoken and they wouldn't have even noticed. <laughs> it was like, it was the most random thing. So when I heard somebody say, like, I go to these meetings and I don't always know what to say, like, um, I wish I had that problem, right? Um, but uh, one of the things that I say to people when you're not familiar with therapy and you're not familiar with or getting coaching or mindset coaching is there's some, there's a reason you decided you needed a professional. Something isn't working. So you talk about the part that isn't working and you talk about why it isn't working. Or you start to think about the way you move through your regular every day and how you wish you could move through your regular every day and say, you know what? I get up in the morning and it takes me two hours to start my day. And in those two hours, I'm thinking about this and I'm distracted by this and just share your everyday experience and say, but I don't want to be that way anymore. Or I don't understand this. Or I have these pervasive memories or I'm easily distracted. And you just break down why you're struggling. Because the reality is, is for example, something like distractibility, some people like function so optimally by being easily distracted. They're creative. It gets them energy. They're like, go, go, go. And they're jazzed by it. Other people who are distracted, you know, easily distracted, sit and spin, sit and spin, and suddenly they're anxious and getting nothing done. So you want to be able to describe what isn't working for you and why it isn't working. Um, and if you're going to these meetings and you're hurting and you're struggling and you don't know what to say, say that. I'm coming to these meetings. I know something's broken, but I can't find the part that's broken. Can you help me figure it out? And then the therapist can start asking questions, poking around, 
and, you know, kind of getting into the nitty gritty with you. Um, this isn't going to be black and white. I have all these notes I'm staring at as I have this conversation with you. And my first thought in all transparency is, God, I've probably forgotten something or there's a, some other therapist listening to the show and being like, you didn't say this. I can't believe you said that. Or some coach who's feeling completely undermined and minimized because of all the biases I brought to the conversation. The most important thing that you need to be is an informed consumer and a consumer who's willing to learn, and a consumer who's willing to stand up and say, this is what I need, this is what I want, and a consumer who's willing to ask those hard questions of their uh, potential provider. It is super awkward, but you deserve it, and it's crucial to getting the care and the solutions that you want. Um, We're going to keep having these hard talks. We're going to keep talking about the messiness of being human bosses, right? Because we're not machine bosses. We're not robots going in and doing your job every day. And as we do this, it's going to stir some crap up for you guys. And you're going to feel like, you know, maybe there's something in this that you haven't addressed. Maybe there's a struggle that you're finally willing to confront. Maybe you're willing to acknowledge for yourself this isn't a mindset issue, that this is a mood disrupt, you know, sort of a mood regulation issue. And you need some help finding your way out. If you any of you have a question about this, trying to figure it out for yourself, I invite you to just write to me. I am really passionate about helping people find the right person. I'm not saying this in an, you know, in an attempt to be like, well, and, and maybe it's me, but reach out to me over at Heather Gray, Heather at HeatherGrayConsulting.com. And in all honesty, maybe it is me. Or if you're wondering whether or not it's me, ask me that too. But let's have the conversation. Let's get you out of sitting and wondering and questioning and worrying and get you into a treatment solution that works for you and will address where you are struggling. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If you're getting value out of it, if you feel like there's somebody in your community or somebody on your friends list or in your email list or wherever you are that could benefit from this, I would ask that you share the episode. And if you're continuing to get value from this show and you're finding value from mindset in your regular everyday, I'm going to guide you to the link in the show notes to financially subscribe to the show and support the show and what I'm doing. I offer you guys free free content five days a week, helping you with your mindset in real time, having these hard conversations with an informed, experienced point of view. And you are welcome to uh, support me and thank me for what I'm doing by financially contributing to the show. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for being in these hard conversations with me. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.